Welcome to the Old Bridge Baptist Church podcast. We hope you find the following sermon to be edifying for your walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page. You can also visit our website at obb.church for more info. Now here's the sermon. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn to the text that Mark just read, and that's Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And uh, I can say this for the first time in over a year. If you don't have your Bible, there's a Bible in, in, the, in the pew rack in front of you. <laughs> but either way, I think it's an important text that I would want you to uh, follow along with me this morning as we look at it together. Two judgments, which one will you face? Two judgments, which one will you face? Let me pray as we begin. Father, by grace, you have uh, allowed us to look into the, the far future. You've loved us enough to show us truth of what will happen. Father, we don't want to turn a, a deaf ear to that truth this morning. Help us to see it, learn it, and believe it. Work amongst us this morning, Lord, by your spirit and by your word. Amen. <clears throat> what comes to mind when you hear the word judgment? Judgment. Is it sin? Uh, the cross? Hell? Well, yes, yes, and yes to each of those. Now, there are numerous judgments in, in the New Testament alone. Some take place here on the earth, uh, but some do not. And they don't all take place at the same time. There is the judgment of the nations that has yet to take place, as is the judgment of Israel. A fascinating one is the judgment of angels. Now, the book of Jude tells us something about that. But elsewhere, the Apostle Paul, as he writes, says that believers will judge angels one day. Now, try to wrap your mind around that truth. Christians will judge angels one day. There's the judgment seat of Christ. And as we will see this morning, there is the great white throne judgment. And for this week and next week, I want us to to focus on two different judgments, either of which will touch every single person in this building. Each of us, without exception, everyone in the sound of my voice will face either the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne. And no matter which one you and I will face, now listen carefully, no matter which one we will face of those judgments, it will be based on our works, all right? It will be based on our works. 
And so we need to take careful heed to what God says today. And today, as I said, we'll look at the great white throne. The great white throne speaks of the, the majesty, the greatness, the authority, the justice, and the holiness of God. Now, I wish God would have given us more detail on the great white throne judgment, but what he has given to us is, is quite profound and true. And I think the warning becomes crystal clear to us as we learn of it together. I think we have in these uh, few verses, 11 through 15, uh, the most sobering text, the most sobering scene in all of scripture, in all of history, as a matter of fact. Um, every war, the Holocaust, every mass murder you can think of, every natural disaster, they all pale in comparison to what will happen one day at the great white throne. And I believe it's an actual, literal event. We have no reason to think otherwise. It's a true, actual, literal event. And for some, this will be man's last day in court. And sorry to say, it may be your last day in court. There will be no jury that day to weigh evidence. There'll be no defense attorney to speak for you. And actually, it won't be a trial. Won't be a trial, but it will be a sentencing because guilt has already been established. Now, let me read to you a couple of verses. You need not uh, turn to them. Familiar text, John chapter 3. You'll recognize at least the first part of it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now here comes the key verse. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So guilt has already been determined. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior and Lord, you are already under condemnation. You are already spiritually dead. And the only thing that can remove that condemnation is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Scripture makes that crystal clear, I believe. The, the cry in our nation today is injustice, is it not? Injustice. But in this coming day of judgment, sentencing will be just, absolutely just, because the judge will be absolutely just. 
Moses said, will not the judge of all the earth do right? And the answer is yes. Yes, he will. And on that day, there will be no mercy shown. On that day, there will be no sympathy shown. And the just will be the Lord Jesus Christ, none other than Christ himself. John chapter 5, we are told that God the Father has given all judgment to his Son, his Son Jesus. And so Jesus is not only the creator of everything, he is not only our Savior, but he also will be the moral judge of all. And so it's Christ himself that is the one who John sees sitting on the great white throne. He is the only one who is fit and perfect enough to judge. Now my goal this morning is to try to, to try to lay out God's truth as he has revealed it to us in Revelation in the chronology that John has given to us. The Bible's storyline has a, has a historical flow to it. There is a beginning, there is a middle, and there is the end. We're looking at at least part of the end this morning. John has seen the, the whole flow of history from his day through our day today from the, the coming tribulation, the seven years of tribulation on the earth, uh, to the return of Christ to the earth, the physical earth, and to the consummation of the earth by fire, the destruction of the earth by fire. Now before he sees the, the new heaven and the new earth that Jesus will also create, he sees the judgment of man before this great white throne. Now those who have rebelled even at the close of the, uh, the millennial kingdom, they've been consumed at the end of that period of time. The Antichrist and the false prophet have been cast into the lake of fire. That's Revelation chapter 19. Satan and his demons are cast into the lake of fire in chapter 20. But now notice in verse 11 of chapter 20 of Revelation that heaven and the earth itself disappear. Notice John says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. No place was found for the earth itself and the sky, the universe actually. So earth and heaven disappear. Uh, the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 3 gives us some description of what that destruction will be like. So the earth and the universe were created by the Lord Jesus himself. And one day the earth and the universe will be destroyed by none other than Christ. We're not going to be destroyed by global warming. No, we don't have to worry about that, but it will be destroyed by none other than Jesus. 
Now, somewhere in all of this, from that destruction, before the great white throne is set up, uh, somewhere then is the great white throne between the destruction of the earth and universe and the creation of a new earth and heaven. I don't know exactly where that will be, but I believe it will be somewhere. It's the resurrection of the dead that John is referring to. Look at verse 12. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. It's called the second resurrection. It's not a spiritual resurrection. It is a physical, bodily resurrection. It's a literal resurrection. But Jesus said it's a resurrection unto judgment. Daniel referred to the same thing. Daniel, in some translation, some translation calls it the, the resurrection to contempt or a resurrection of damnation. It's a resurrection that is physical. The bodies of all the unbelieving dead throughout history, all the way back to the beginning of the Old Testament, through the New Testament day, uh, from, from our day, from the day of the coming tribulation on the earth, even those who were born during the millennial kingdom but refused to put their faith in Jesus Christ, <clears throat> they will all face what we call the second death. The second resurrection. John said in verse uh, 13, the sea gave up the dead. The sea. I think that represents the, the place of all the unburied bodies in history. And all the bodies will be joined with their souls or spirits, which were already suffering in a place, John says, is called Hades. Some translations use the term hell, but the actual word or term is Hades. And all the unsaved dead from the beginning of time will stand before Jesus Christ, the judge. They will stand before him as whole persons, Resurrected body and spirit. And then if you'll notice, verse 12, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Books were opened. And then a little further down in the same verse, the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Books are opened, and the unsaved dead are judged by what is written in those books. And what's written in those books are their, their works while they were alive. Now remember, the unsaved dead are at the great white throne because they refuse to believe. Back in John chapter 3, they were already under condemnation. And here comes the final sentencing. It's not a judgment that will determine whether or not the person is saved. That has been already sealed. Scripture says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. 
Well, what about our sins as Christians, as true believers? Our sins are remembered no more. They're buried in the deep blue sea. They're, we are cleansed. We are absolutely forgiven. But these works demonstrate the lack of salvation in a person's life. And I believe what we're seeing here, there will be degrees of punishment given to the unsaved based on their works. Let me repeat that. There will be degrees of punishment given to the unsaved based on their works. I believe that's what the books are going to show. Every deed. And I believe that would also include every thought, every word that will be measured against God's perfect standard. When you ask a person today uh, whether or not they're going to heaven, I think the common answer for, for most would be, I hope so, I think so, I think I'm good enough, or I think I've done enough good, I think I've done enough good works, but the truth is, no one is good enough. No one can do good works enough. Our works, according to Isaiah chapter 64, are like what? Filthy rags. Let me read that verse to you from Isaiah. We've all become like one who is unclean, and our righteous deeds. So Isaiah is not talking about when we're at our worst. He's talking about when we're at our best. Our righteous, excuse me, our righteous deeds. They are like filthy rags or uh, polluted garments. One translation says, the, the term polluted garments or filthy rags is a strong term. It speaks of the the bodily fluids from a woman's menstrual cycle and he closes that verse by writing we all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away even at our best we are unclean like filthy rags now the books are opened the dead are judged by the works in those books can God actually keep an account of every unsaved individual who ever lived? Why not? He's God. He is a God who is perfectly and totally omniscient. God knows everything about everyone. He knows everything about everything. He's omniscient. Does he need a book? No, he just knows it. He knows it. The psalmist says in Psalm 44, God knows the secrets of the heart. Luke chapter 8, Jesus said, Nothing is hidden that will not become evident, or anything secret that will not be known. Everything will be laid out before the one who is seated on the throne, the one who is the holy, omniscient God. And by the way, this is, this is not a group judgment. This is not a, a, a national judgment. No, it's an individual judgment. 
Each unbeliever will stand before the great white throne and be judged by his works, one by one by one, person after person after person after person. No one will be missed. No one will be exempt in any way. And these, these works, I believe, will, and listen here, these works will determine a person's degree of punishment. Now that may sound strange, but I believe that's what the scriptures teach us or show us. These works will determine their degree of punishment. Now let me show you a few verses. Matthew chapter 10 would be the first. Matthew chapter 10, and here Jesus is going to He's going to send out the disciples on a preaching mission throughout the land of Israel. And in Matthew chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, as they go out, Jesus said, If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Can you see it? Degrees or levels of punishment. It will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day. They never heard the revelation of God. They were wicked people uh, and will be judged by it one day, but they never heard the truth of God. But those who will reject the message of God in these cities in Israel, they are accountable to it. They will receive the greater condemnation. They'll receive the greater judgment. Uh, that's also true in Matthew chapter 11. And then in Mark, in Mark chapter 12, we have another illustration of it. Again, given by Jesus. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 38. Uh, the Lord Jesus here is going to be talking about some of the elite Jewish religious leaders of the day, unbelievers. And in his teaching, it says in verse 38, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes, and like greetings in the marketplaces, and have the best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. In other words, to be seen or to be heard publicly. They will receive the greater condemnation. They'll receive the greater judgment. So even there, can you see it? Uh, levels or degrees of, of punishment or justice, the greater, the lesser. And then there's the book of Hebrews. And there are others, but these are just three of them. In Hebrews chapter 10, Um, let's see, Hebrews 10, verses 28 and 29. 
Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. But listen, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he has been sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. Once again, levels of punishment, levels of judgment, the greater as opposed to the lesser. Now, understand here that every man's suffering is going to be eternal. It's going to be intolerable. It's going to be miserable, but apparently not equally miserable. In Romans, Paul says that there are some who are storing up wrath, some storing up wrath, God's wrath. Now go back to Revelation chapter 20. He has looked at the, the books being opened. Notice at the, uh, the end of verse 12, then another book was opened. So you had books being opened, but now another book opened, which is the book of life. And then in verse 15, if anyone's name was not found written in this book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We sang just a few moments ago, is my name written there? It's in reference to that book, to the book of life. In Jesus' day and even throughout the uh, ancient cities in the Old Testament, books were kept that listed the records of criminals of that day in that city, but also the cities kept a register of those citizens who were loyal. A major difference. But this is a record of God's elect. Not of the unsaved, but of God's elect. Those that, uh, who God knew before the foundation of the world or in the book of life. Now we see this not only here in Revelation 20, but it's in Revelation 17, it's in Revelation 13, it's in Revelation 3, it's in Philippians chapter 4, it's in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and in the Old Testament it's in Exodus chapter 32, it's in Psalm 69. So it's just not unique to Revelation 20, but it's a principle that is seen elsewhere. The names of the unsaved are not in the book of life, only the people of God. Now look at verse 14. It says, death and Hades, or hell, were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. See, death and Hades, and I'll try to explain that in a moment, they were only temporary. So at the end, at the great white throne, there's, there's no more death after that. Death is gone, will be gone. Uh, Hades, the temporary place of the dead, will be empty. So they're both cast into the lake of fire. They're temporary. 
Hades was not or is not purgatory. It's not purgatory. I want to make that clear. But it was a temporary place of judgment of the lost. It's like a criminal who's kept in jail until his final sentencing when he goes to the, the penitentiary. All unbelievers are cast into the lake of fire. Uh, Hades was, is mentioned in Luke 16. It is a literal place. It's a literal place of judgment. When a, an unsafe person dies today, for example, his body goes to the grave, but he's not cast into the lake of fire yet, but he goes to Hades, a temporary place of judgment. One day, Hades will be, will be emptied. And then the lake of fire comes. Uh, was it last week that Stan spoke at uh, Herb's memorial service and he talked about heaven? Heaven being a place, and yes it is, it's a literal place. It's an eternal place. Well, the same is true of the lake of fire, of hell. It is a real, literal place, and it's an eternal place. So you and I are all going to live forever. We're going to live forever somewhere, either in a place called heaven or a place called hell or the lake of fire. Jesus or John sees and says that the beast and the false prophet will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And that, that phrase forever and ever is just giving us a, a strong emphasis that it will be an eternal place. Jesus said it's a place where the fire never goes out, where the worm dieth not. Elsewhere he says it's a place of unquenchable fire. It's a real place. There's no such thing as annihilation. There are many today who believe in annihilation. That after a person dies, he simply ceases to exist in any way, in any form. No afterlife whatsoever. Well, I think this text is telling us otherwise, is it not? No such thing as universalism. That's a, a theology that says uh, we're all going to be saved. We're all going to go to heaven. Again, this text shows that's so far from the truth. Well, does God answer all of our questions here in this text? No, it doesn't. But he answers a lot of them and he gives us enough of a clear warning. Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him, and that's God. Fear God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So if you died this morning without Christ, your body will go to the grave or your body will be cremated, whatever the case might be, but your spirit will go to Hades, that temporary place, waiting for the second resurrection. Christ one day will call that body from the grave or for wherever it is, bring it together along with your spirit or soul, and you'll stand before the great white throne.
See, your, your fate is sealed. Once you die, no second chance. It's sealed. And that judgment will be based on your works. And cast into the lake of fire. Are we sharing Christ with people? See, that's, that's what we need to be doing because eternity is at stake. It really is. Eternity is at stake. My question to you this morning would be, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone? You're already under condemnation. And someday you'll stand before Christ the judge before your final eternal sentencing. Won't you recognize your, your sinful, unclean, lost condition before God this morning and turn to Christ, simply turn to Jesus. One writer says, flee, flee to Jesus and ask him to save you from sin, save you from eternal judgment. That's the only thing any of us can do to avoid eternal condemnation. You can't do good enough to be saved. And, and don't keep turning a deaf ear to what God says. Don't keep turning a, a deaf ear to the gospel. Don't harden your heart to the gospel and the things of God. God help us to soften our hearts today. The Apostle Paul says, today's the day. Now is the day of salvation. Don't say, I'll think about it. I'll do it next week. You may not have. You may not have next week. None of us may have next week. Would you pray with me? Father, I believe your truth is, is clear. It's clear. There is a judgment that is yet to come. And you've seen fit, Lord, to, to warn us of that day, not to surprise us with it, but to warn us. Help each of us, Lord, to, to heed the warning, to heed what the truth of your word says today. In Christ's name we ask, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old Bridge Baptist Church. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening on. We appreciate your support and we hope you have a God-blessed day.